The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. We are so grateful uh, during this national pandemic that we are all dealing with. We hope that you and yours and your family and friends and loved ones are staying safe and staying indoors and, and staying away, practicing social distancing uh, and the best way to do that uh, is with our podcast, because our podcast requires no face-to-face human interaction. You can download it wherever you are with Jamie D'Amico, my proud colleague, and myself, John Boccasino. Right, Jamie? Isn't that a great PSA for social distancing to check out a podcast? It's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a wonderful PSA for podcasting. And also, you don't have to look at our ugly mugs because it's entirely audio. We don't record ourselves on video, so nobody has to deal with that. <laughs> We have spared you, Bills Mafia, from seeing our, as, as Jamie said, our, our lovely mugs uh, when it comes to this podcast. Uh, and, but no, you know, it's, it's honestly, Jamie, it's one of those things where I find, you know, I'm entering week three coming up of being quarantined. I say quarantined. I can leave my house. But my employer um, at Syracuse University, we are all working remotely through the middle of April third week of April at the earliest. So, you know, you get stir crazy. Yeah. You, you know, there's only so much Netflix you can watch. There's only so much actual conversations you can have with the people that you have the pl- privilege of sharing a house with. So why not get some podcasting going on? And, uh, and I think people have found it to be a nice distraction to get to focus on free agency and how the Buffalo bills are making a lot of great moves. And, uh, even the draft, you know, coming up, uh, I still can't believe they're going to try to go forward with the draft, April 23rd to the 25th. Doesn't doesn't it seem a little bit tone deaf, if you will? It, it it does. And the other thing is they don't have to do it in, in April. I mean, they, they've done it in May in the past. They don't have to do it in April. They could do it in June and it's not going to matter all that much. They can just sort of adjust the dates of the mini camps and it's not going to matter. I, I don't know. It'll still be a ratings bonanza for the league whenever they end up televising the draft. And uh, I hope that 
it was funny. That memo came out from uh, apparently from Roger Goodell, where he was telling other owners that essentially don't criticize uh, the league's movements and actions in public. You know, you must go with the league. You must go with the shield, which I think is pretty interesting to watch how he's trying to continue his uh, his control, if you will, of his fellow billionaire owners and not talking out against the league. Good luck with that. Um, the one thing I've learned about billionaires, um, they're going to say what they want. You know why? Because they can fight you in court and win. I can't tell you how many times I have been sued by a billionaire. No, I'm just kidding about that. But how many times have you been sued by a billionaire, Jamie? <laughs> I don't want to get into that, but you know, I, I am glad that our listeners are with us, that they've taken a break from watching Tiger King in the new season of Ozark and uh, allowed us to find our way into their day. Well, speaking of uh, Kings, a pretty good segue here, Jamie, the, uh, the Buffalo Bills for the first time in at least the last 25 years since the last of their four straight Super Bowl runs, I feel this Bills franchise is fully entrenched in not only win now mode, but a mode where the Super Bowl is is a realistic outcome for this team, given the moves that they've made, uh, given the fact that you know the Bills have made the playoffs now two of the last three years. It might have sounded preposterous to say back when McDermott and Bean took over in 2017, but the Bills legitimately are a contender to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. That sounds pretty damn exciting to me. They are definitely setting up the team for a run this year. Now, are they in the same class as Kansas City? Well, probably not, uh, merely because you know Josh Allen is not Patrick Mahomes. But the team that they have built around Josh Allen, if you go man-to-man, this roster is as talented as any there is in the NFL. Of course, it's a quarterback-driven league, but... This is very interesting where they are. You can tell that McDermott and Brandon Bean are trying to do as much as they can with this Goldilocks zones of quarterback contracts. They don't have to uh, they don't have to exercise the fifth year option yet on Josh Allen. He hasn't hit free agency. We're not looking at a quarterback that's going to make $25, $30 million that is going to hamstring the salary cap by taking up. 125 to 15% of their cap, they're investing in a lot of depth on this team. And it tells you one thing, win now is where they're headed. The Bills definitely are in that win now window. And and Jamie, you know, we talked about this in the past about the, the quarterbacks and the ones who tend to lead teams to championships. It's the ones who are on that rookie deal because it's so team friendly. You know, gone are the days when a Sam Bradford is chewing up you know, 20, 25 million of your salary cap without having played a single down in the league. You know, the rookie deals have been restructured, you know, so dramatically for the quarterbacks that this is the window. And I applaud McDermott and I applaud Brandon Bean for going after it. They saw a Bills team, you know, the Bills made the playoffs last year comfortably. Uh, they, I know they lost three of their last four, but it was never really in doubt that Buffalo was going to make the playoffs once they got off to that eight and three start. So you knew that there was something special that this defense was building. The offense was always the question mark and Josh Allen will always be the biggest single question mark to whether Buffalo can bring home that elusive Super Bowl championship. But so far in free agency and so far through the moves that the bills have done, Buffalo is giving Josh Allen every tool necessary to succeed. And really there's no more excuses. You know, there's no more, 
boy, the defense, if they can pitch a great game and allow 10 points, it doesn't matter how good Josh plays, the Bills can find a way to win. No, now the Bills offense is expected to be just as lethal as their defense. And I, for one, welcome it. I am so happy that Buffalo now has, in my opinion, not only the three best receivers in the AFC on one team, but they have the three best route runners too, which is so important when it comes to the offense's timing under what Brian Dable wants to do. This offense needs to be precise, needs to be mechanical with its route running, and who better for Josh Allen to throw to than three of the best route runners out there in Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. So we know that Stephon Diggs, I mean, that that's a big deal right there that that in and of itself says this team is going for it giving up a first round pick plus three other picks that's a that's a hefty price to pay which you know that's been spoken about ad nauseum but that is the move of a general manager who is interested in winning now he's not trying to stockpile picks to be good two years from now they're not trying to develop young players they're definitely bringing in a lot of veterans players that they can that well players that can come in and really understand the system and they don't need to really they, they don't need to I, I would say develop them the way they would a, a younger player so obviously Stefan Diggs with that move they're swinging for the fences what other moves do you feel shows that the bills are honing in on a Super Bowl this year. Well, and Jamie, before I get, and I will get to that point in one second, I just want to make one more point on the Diggs uh, trade. I know that a lot gets made of hyperbole in the offseason. Every year, somebody wants to anoint the Cleveland Browns or the Los Angeles Chargers, you know, the kings of the offseason. And you don't win games in March, you win them in September, October, November, and December. But you can certainly set a team up for failure or for success in March. And it meant a lot to me. And it really spoke volumes to hear hall of fame quarterback, Jim Kelly saying that the Stefan Diggs acquisition was akin to James Lofton coming over to the Buffalo bills during the 1989 uh, season. When he came over after having a pretty solid career with green Bay, the bills acquired that deep threat in James Lofton, who really was a, a dynamic decision maker for, for Buffalo. He stretched the field. He allowed Andre Reed to be a terror on underneath routes. He allowed Don BB to operate and do his thing that he was going to do. He allowed the Kagan offense to really come into its own. So to me, to hear Jim Kelly, who, yes, you can say he's a blind <clears throat> Bills fan. He's optimistic. <clears throat> he's also been there through a lot of the shit that this team has gone through from the 17-year drought, which to me, I take everything he says with a grain of salt, but I feel like when he says that Stefan Diggs is similar to James Lofton and being that missing piece that the Bills needed to get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl, I listen to what that man says. That's why I feel like it was such a great move because, again, Diggs is somebody that can bail out Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen has made tremendous strides in his first two years from year one to year two. We've covered that extensively. Go listen to past Believes to hear Jamie and I talk about all the progress so far during his first two years in the league. But if you want this quarterback to take the next step, Stefan Diggs is the guy you go after and you get, especially knowing that it's a team-friendly contract. He's able to go up there and snag passes that might be uncatchable for a lot of other receivers. For Stefan Diggs, that's just you know par for the course. So 
that's my two t- that's my two cents before we go into the other moves um on on Jim Kelly's thoughts. Did you have any any comments on 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 the Hall of Famer and his comparisons of of uh, Diggs to Lofton? I I don't think it's a perfect comparison because Lofton was coming to the Buffalo Bills as a number 2 receiver. Um even though he was a Hall of Famer, Andre Reed was squarely the the Bills lead in in the wideout position during that time. Uh but I understand where he's going with that because what it did is it rounded out the offense. Now is this offense done? No, I think that there's still some additions that need to happen to this team. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. But one of the things that the Buffalo Bills in 1990 had, 89, 90 had was a dominant offensive line. And this offensive line is middle of the pack. And when we talk about the draft, we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but that's uh, going back to where I was leading you before. Are there any other moves that you feel, say, the Bills are trying to set themselves up for a a Super Bowl run? Now, may I jump in and say one thing? We are not saying that the Bills, as they stand now, are going to the Super Bowl. That's not what we're saying. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) What we are saying is they are setting themselves up to make a run, but they're not a complete team yet. They're trying to get there. In this season, I'm not calling my shot, Jamie. I'm not saying the Bills are going to be playing in the Super Bowl in Tampa this February. Look, I would be thrilled beyond all belief if they were to be representing the AFC for the first time since the last of their four straight Super Bowl runs with Super Bowl 28 and that loss to the Cowboys. I'm saying what you just perfectly encapsulated the Bills are there. The Bills are in win-now mode. The Bills are knocking on the door for the Super Bowl. And to me, in the AFC, without any more further moves being done, we can talk a little more about where Buffalo stacks up. But it's Buffalo, Kansas City, and Baltimore, to me right now, along with the Tennessee Titans, are the four best teams in the AFC. And I see no reason why, with the the moves the Bills have made, Buffalo couldn't represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. The moves that this team has made is perfectly aligning them for a run to that championship. And they're really fulfilling, again, the modern day philosophy of teams that win in the NFL is you win while your quarterback is on a rookie deal. The Seahawks did that with Russell Wilson to perfection. Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, the teams that are winning are the ones, Carson Wentz with Philly, he is their franchise quarterback, but he can't stay healthy. So he's kind of been an exception to the rule. Now, I will say, there's for every positive example of a young team winning with a rookie quarterback, there's examples of that window closing faster than you can possibly fathom. And I look at Jared Goff in the Los Angeles Rams, their window is closed. In my opinion, they made the Super Bowl two years ago. They lost that Snorefest 13 to 3 to the Patriots. Their window is closed because they're now in salary cap hell. Goff is going to expect a massive payday. So that's why it's so important for the team to win and win now when you've got that quarterback in a rookie deal. And that's why I feel like the bills are right there. Josh Allen is entering year three. The team has prudently and wisely, in my opinion, used most of the $80 million in cap space this offseason to address their gaping holes. They can go into the draft with the drafting the best player available mentality, which is a dangerous position for them to be in because they can snag somebody that, you know, maybe a month ago, 
the Bills could have used pick number 22 on a wide receiver. Now they don't have to because they have four solid receivers at the top of the depth chart. Jamie, I'm oozing with excitement here. Four receiver. Who's the fourth solid receiver at the top of the depth chart? I'm going Isaiah McKenzie. I'm 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 very happy with him as a number four for Buffalo. Oh. You know, it could be Duke Williams, it could be you know Isaiah McKenzie. But with what? Listen, if you get those three great route runners that we talked about with Diggs, Beasley, and with uh, John Brown out there, Isaiah McKenzie is a gadget guy who can succeed being anything. He he's not a number three. But between him and Duke Williams, I'm confident one of those two will step up and be a really solid number four for Buffalo. And if that's the biggest concern we have about the offense right now is who's going to be the wide receiver four. Now, running back is a concern right now. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I'm I'm just telling you, I like what this team is crafted for their wide receivers. I I I think you're you're onto something good there. Um, I'm a little bit worried about injuries if two of them miss the same game to to the top three. And now you're getting back to where the receiving core was this past year, which is not anything to write home about. I I think they need one more player and that player could come in the draft. I'm still also worried about the offensive line. They were middle of the road this past year. I want to see them become a top 10 line. And just because you have the same guys coming back does not mean that there's going to be an improvement by the end of the season. They're going to have as much chemistry as they're going to have at any point. And you saw that they had a really hard time in that playoff game standing up to uh, the pass rush of the Texans. But uh, that said, we still have a draft coming up. We still have the second and third waves of free agency. Now, the Bills don't have a lot of money to spend, but they're not going to stop working. Uh, They're not going to stop bringing in guys on value deals. They're not going to stop renegotiating contracts for players that are currently on the team to get into an even better cap situation than they might be at the moment. It's it's a work in progress. We know this. But, yep, they're, I used the term earlier, they're swinging for the fences here. And you got to love it for a team that's never won a Super Bowl for the Bills to really have their sights set on winning that Vince Lombardi trophy. It's uh it's got to make you happy if you're in Western New York. And I know, Jamie, your offensive line concerns are valid. I think the Bills have done a, you know, this, this unit, there's a lot to be said, though, for continuity, for playing together. You know, Mitch Morris had a bunch of injuries that he dealt with. If he gets healthy and stays healthy all year long, and I love, I still like Quentin Spain personally. I like Deion Dawkins. I like John Feliciano. I think Daryl Williams is a very underrated signing because it allows the team to explore possibly moving Cody Ford to the guard spot versus the tackle position. So I am a fan of, if you're not going to break the bank on offensive linemen and signing a Brian Balaga, if you get a lot of versatile chess pieces that can play different positions, you can mix and match and win based on the matchup that you're facing. Yeah, the versatility really puts you in a good position to get your five best players on the field. And that's something to like. And I know that that's something that this regime is really a, a big fan of on really off the offensive line and and defense too. When you look at the players that they've been using, Lorenzo Alexander, for example, how they used him in multiple different positions, either dropping into coverage, rushing the passer, even lining up as a defensive tackle. Um, that's something you don't see a lot of linebackers do. Um, but yeah, the the versatility, you can tell that they're they're trying to they're trying to get better and they're gonna mix and match it. And I don't think that you're gonna see the same starting five on the offensive line that you saw last year. I, I think the cream is gonna to rise to the top no matter what position it happens to be. And if that means 
Cody Ford finds himself on the bench or in a different position, so be it. But you've got to have your best players on the field. The mauler from Oklahoma could definitely maybe get inspired and motivated by the fact that he gets benched for somebody else who's a more overachieving veteran. And maybe that lights a fire under his ass and makes him play better on the offensive line. But the Bills do have options to pick from and, and weapons to choose from on the offensive line. Now, you had asked me earlier, Jamie, about the move that really made me excited for this team going all in. And I, you know, look, I'm, I'm stoked that Jordan Poyer is coming back on a two-year contract extension. I think Josh Norman has way more in the tank to prove than what he's done with Washington the last couple of years. I think he's going to be a valued asset. But to me, the biggest signing that Buffalo made in free agency on the defensive side of the ball, especially, was Quinton Jefferson coming over from Seattle on a very team-friendly contract. Look, I love the versatility of this guy. I love the fact that Seahawks fans are kicking their team for not bringing him back. I'm not quite exactly sure what his fit's going to be on that rotation, but to me, I think that's a good thing because it allows the team to experiment with different looks, and maybe this is the move that allows Buffalo to cut Trent Murphy and reallocate those resources to another position or another player who might help the defensive line, but I think Quentin Jefferson was a slam dunk home run signing that Buffalo made. And a lot of these deals were of the two or the three year variety to fit in exactly with this window that the bills have to win that Super Bowl. Yep. And by the two to three year window, we're talking about Josh Allen's fifth year option in which he will be, well, he'll have to make at that point a minimum, I I think of uh, $24 million a season if the Bills pick up that option, which is equivalent to about what the transition tag is. Uh, and then beyond that, he has free agent years that either have to be purchased by the team by extending his contract or they got to do something different. And it's all going to depend on how well he does this year. And that's why they're going for it this year. They're basically saying, show us what you got because we have a decision to make. So I really like the way they've structured these contracts because within – Two years, they can get out from under just about all of these, and they're going to have a lot of salary cap space left. So from cap management, from the standpoint of that, this team has done an excellent, excellent job. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, another subject that we were talking about getting into, and I know you've got a list that's just waiting for us. The number of Carolina Panthers that have been signed by this regime has been a a source of, I would say, a lot of mocking in, in a lot of places. And Bills fans are wondering about the validity of it. 
Take us through this. Yes. So, uh, and I have to give some credit um, to my colleague, Sean Murphy at Buffalo Rumblings. He put together a list that I am going to be poaching here for the purpose of the podcast of 21 former Carolina Panthers who have been acquired by the Bills in the three years that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have been in charge here in Western New York. Now, a lot of these guys, I'm going to preface by saying just because the Bills signed them doesn't mean they made any sort of impact on the team whatsoever, akin to Kalen Clay, the wide receiver from Carolina, or LJ McCray, the safety. There were a lot of guys in 2017 that came, I felt, just to instill that culture and that team-first philosophy that the Bills preach more so than being talented acquisitions. But here it is, in its entirety. Starting in 2017, the Bills brought in fullback Mike Tolbert, defensive end Ryan Davis, former Pro Bowl alternate Mike Tolbert, by the way, <laughs> wide receiver Philly Brown, <laughs> quarterback Leonard Johnson, Kalen Clay, quarterback and special teams standout Joe Webb of the Snowvertime victory, oh, Kelvin Benjamin, LJ McCray, and Dean Marlowe, who just re-signed with Buffalo this offseason. 2018. Defensive tackle star Latuale. Kalen Clay came back for round two. Robert Thomas, defensive tackle. Offensive lineman Jeremiah Surles. And quarterback Derek Anderson. 2019, safety Kurt Coleman. Cornerback Captain Munerlin. And wide receiver Ray Ray McLeod III. Although it's it might not be totally fair to list Ray Ray since he was originally a draft pick of Buffalo. But he did go from Buffalo to Carolina and back to Western New York. So he's on the list for a technicality standpoint. And then in 2020, Josh Norman, the cornerback, defensive tackle Vernon Butler, edge rusher Mario Addison, linebacker A.J. Klein, Marlowe comes back again, and offensive tackle Daryl Williams. Those are the 21 former Carolina Panthers who have been signed by contracts to the Buffalo Bills during the three years of the Sean McDermott regime. Jamie, what what do you make of that? You know, we, we talk about psychology and, you know, you go with people that you know and you go with systems that you know. What's your take on Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean turning to that Carolina well so frequently? Well, I th- there's two places I want to take this. Um, first of which is t- to tell you a story from my life. Which is I worked for a woman. Ooh, story time with Jamie D'Amico. Hold on, let me get my cup of coffee. Yeah, put <laughs> put your feet up. You might want to get a snack because this could go on for a little while. Um, I got some hot cocoa, buddy. So lay it on me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I worked for a woman named Lynn. Um, little nuts, good boss though. And we had a gentleman who was on our staff who was transferred uh, to a different location, and in came a guy. We'll call him Donald, and. Lynn hated Donald. She didn't like working with him. He was caught lying a number of times. He wasn't reliable. He didn't get along with everybody. And, you know, when she finally decided she was going to leave the company, she was like, you know what? I'm feeling good about this. Hey, Jamie, you want to come work for me? So I followed Lynn to the next company. Well, a position was vacant the same type of position that Donald had uh, in our last company. And she said, oh, there's nobody in this position. Let me give Donald a call. And I said, Lynn, what? you hate Donald. Why in the world would you want to call him and offer him a job? She's like, well, I mean, he's my guy for that job. I'm like, 
No, he's he's not. Why don't why wouldn't you roll the dice and find somebody who you potentially are going to like better? And it came down to one of the biases that we all have, and you especially see it when you go through the uh, Buffalo Rumblings comments sections after articles. We all have a familiarity bias. We go with the devil that we know. I know it's a cliche, but that has a lot to do, I think, with why the Buffalo Bills are bringing in a lot of Carolina Panthers. They're known quantities. And what Lynn explained to me was, look, if I get somebody that I don't know, I'm going to have to figure them out, and that's going to take some time. At least I know the ways in which Donald drives me crazy, and I can work with it. And I, you know, still, I don't know if that's a good idea, but there's another side to this. This is not uncommon. If you take a look at Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick, they were together on multiple coaching staffs. Belichick was special teams coordinator, then defensive coordinator uh, for Belichick. And the, the number of players that followed them from stop to stop is staggering. Vinny Testaverde, Drew Bledsoe, Dave Meggett, Pepper Johnson, Carl Banks, uh, Keyshawn Johnson. The, the list goes on and on and on. And it's partially because you want to instill you want to instill the culture that you have in, you know, in, in your new organization, but partially it's because it's just a little bit easier to coach these people up. Now, is it a bad thing? Well, some people are saying this points to lazy scouting for the Buffalo Bills, but I have a different take on this. They have, especially on the defensive side of the ball, if if Sean McDermott was a defensive coordinator while these people were playing defense for the Panthers, they've already been scouted. Brandon Bean was instrumental in bringing all of these players into Carolina at some point, with the exception of Ray Ray McLeod, and he's already done the legwork on it. He knows exactly what he's getting. He's done the film breakdown already. So... Are they only bringing in Carolina Panthers? Well, it sort of seems like it at times, but no, that's not what they're doing this year. And despite the bias that they have, these are all solid moves that fill holes on the roster. I'm good with it, man. Okay, I will uh, <laughs> I will stop with my bloviating and hear what you have to say on the topic. Yeah, that, that was definitely a lot to unpack, but it, it brings up a relevant point, Jamie, and it comes down to, again, you know, when, when you're in a, a business, when you're in a profession that is predicated on success, you're right. You turn to the known commodity. You turn to what you have familiarity with, and it's clear that Bean and McDermott have a lot of respect for two things. They have respect for culture, and they have respect for people who understand their process and are team first guys. And, you know, a lot of the signings, there's going to be seven players on the bills roster right now that played in Carolina when Sean McDermott was there. Again, it's Mario Addison, defensive tackle, Vernon Butler, Josh Norman, AJ Klein, and Daryl Williams to go with Dean Marlowe and star Latule. There's a great story that's out there from Dean Marlowe, who is really not a guy who is a game changing addition, but who is somebody who is a, a prototypical McDermott player, somebody who just really understands the fit, the culture and the familiarity. And he's quoted as saying out there, you know, cause somebody asked him, they were like, why do you think McDermott keeps bringing in 
all of these former, you know, Carolina Panthers. And he's like, it's not for the fact that he's bringing in guys who are from Carolina. He's bringing in guys who know how to win, who want to win and know how to work well together and understand the system. And to me, that's the most important part of all. These Carolina connections are really going to pay dividends. We don't know what the hell is going to happen with the coronavirus over the next two, three, four months. There might not be mini camps. There might not be, you know, OTAs. Things might get pushed back dramatically due to the risk that these athletes and the support staff will put if they're coming in contact at the training facilities of spreading this virus and getting each other sick. So when you're knowing that you're not going to have a lot of playing time and not a lot of time to get familiar with the new faces around you, the more of the faces you can have in that locker room that are familiar, that know the schemes, that know the terms, that know the system, that's only going to position this team for success, especially with it being such a critical, as we've laid out, year in 2020. The Bills need to win. The onus is on this team to get to win a playoff game for the first time since 1995, to advance deep in the playoffs. This is Buffalo's shot right now. So I applaud the Bills for bringing in guys who fill a hole, who are going to be value adds to this team, and who are not going to take a lot of adjustments to get used to what it's like to be on this squad. So, you know, Jamie, if they were going out there and signing, you know, cut rate guys who just didn't deserve to be on this team, I think that's one thing. But, you know, Addison fills a traumatic hole and allows the Bills to replace Shaq Lawson. Same thing with Vernon Butler. Same thing with, you know, Daryl Williams giving this team versatility and an insurance policy on the offensive line should Cody Ford stink in 2020. The Bills are positioning themselves to make a run despite whatever else happens around them uh, with the coronavirus and with everything else that's uncertain. So, look... I get it. I get it's it's an easy cheap shot joke to make of oh the Bills make a move. Oh yeah, when did that guy play for Carolina? But so far the Bills have gotten to the playoffs in two of the three years after a 17-year drought. If they have to keep going to the Carolina well to keep winning, sign me up. I think you make a great point uh, about the uh, about the likelihood that we're going to see a compressed offseason uh, due to the coronavirus. And that is going to really pay dividends when you bring in people that already know the system. So like any business, what they're doing is mitigating risk. And that is never a bad move. Uh, Ultimately, talent wins. We, We know that in the NFL, in the end, talent is going to win. However, if you can gel quicker you can steal some games early in the season that otherwise you might not be able to because you you will see teams out there that are struggling to mesh. And that's going to have a lot to do with the culture and the coaching staff and the new players being brought in. See the Cleveland Browns from 2019, the offseason champions who had Fredo Kitchens, who didn't know how to run a shop and keep his players in line during uh, some tumultuous times out there. They, they really shat the bed, if you will, and, and missed the playoffs again. And so that's a good example of how you do not want to run your franchise by bringing in head cases like Odell Beckham Jr. to mesh with a culture that really is non-existent. And uh, you can point to Buffalo and say that they've done a good job of building, again, a team-first, culture-oriented locker room where the guys care about each other. The family term is so cliched, but I think that these guys really buy into it and believe it, and that parlays itself to success on the playing field. I have nothing to add. Perfectly said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jamie, in the closing minutes of our pod here, I want to ask you uh, one more question for regarding this team and the win now window that they're in. When we lamented what Buffalo needed to do before free agency, 
there were a lot of buckets that needed to get checked, a lot of to-do areas, places where Buffalo could improve. As I see it, as we're sitting here towards the end of March, the Bills only have a couple of areas that they need to go after, whether through free agency or the draft. And again, that leads to the best player available draft strategy, which is an awesome position for the Bills to be in. In my humble opinion, here's where the Bills still need to get better. I want to see them get a legit running back number two, whether it's through the pickings of free agency or a guy like J.K. Dobbins in the draft with pick number 54. I want to see them add another, even though they signed EJ Gaines and even though they signed Josh Norman, I still wouldn't mind another cornerback coming in to push for reps. And to, hey, if he proves himself to be a worthy player, he can take that spot of uh, a Levi Wallace or a Josh Norman you know, or an EJ Gaines. And I want to see a quarterback potential QB two is one of the few remaining weaknesses left on this team. I know, you know, we talked about Matt Barkley and, you know, ideally the bills aren't going to play him very much, but if the bills have anything happen to Josh Allen, all of a sudden, all that scrutiny, all those attentions go towards the backup quarterback. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. I'm not necessarily sure certain that I'm in the camp that Barkley is the guy to have as the backup anymore. I don't think that Barkley is the guy. I, I realize that the reason they're keeping him there is so Josh Allen is the unquestioned starter. You don't want to divide a locker room, but bringing in a high-end number two, it's a year early for that. If Cam Newton were cut loose next year, I would say you'd have to go. You'd have you'd have to bring him in. However, I just I don't see them making a move. But if they can draft somebody, maybe fifth round on. Uh, that might be a good move because Barkley's not going to win games for you. Um, I'm still worried about the offensive line. Um, I, I like that they have made a, a recent depth signing, but I need some maulers out there. I, I need some guys that are are going to completely neutralize the guy across from them, especially when it comes to you know uh, bigger defensive linemen. That's um, to me. That could be the difference between them being a prolific offense and you know middling as they have the past couple of years. Uh, I think Josh Allen's the kind of player who wants to hold the ball, and if they can come up with a, a defensive or an offensive line that's going to get a push on running plays and also let him stand back there for up to three seconds, you're looking at a really successful offense. And again, those are all areas, Jamie, that the Bills can use the draft or maybe they sign somebody in free agency to shore up that offensive line a little bit more. Um, but the Bills are in a great position with their seven draft picks. They still have seven picks despite trading away the number one. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills packaged up some of those fifth, sixth, and seventh rounders to get another fourth or a third rounder. This draft is plenty deep at a bunch of areas where the Bills could need some help, including maybe this is the year, and I might get a lot of crap for saying this, but maybe this is the year Buffalo drafts a punter late in the draft because I don't feel good at all about Corey Bohorquez or Kerry Vedvik as our two punting options. Nope, nope, they can improve upon that. But of course, maybe we'll dedicate more time on a future pod to the punting struggles that Buffalo had in 2019, but it was not pretty. That's a short-term summation. It was not pretty in a, in 2019. But, you know, Jamie, here we are at the end of the podcast. Thanks for your time and your expertise. It's been fun sitting here. And you know what? The last thing I want to say is it, enjoy this. Who knows when the window is going to come around again for a team that has been so championship starved. 
We're here. The Bills are making their, their, their presence known in the National Football League, and they are amongst the teams that are right up there again with the Ravens and the Chiefs, in my opinion, in the AFC. So enjoy the fact that Buffalo is a contender, and uh, let's have some fun with the rest of the offseason. Stay safe out there. And uh, Jamie, thank you again for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Make sure you get involved with our pod. Uh, Share some comments again on the story on buffalorumblings.com. Get involved with us on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. We welcome your feedback on Billy of a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.